Welcome to the Investing in Oil and Gas.com podcast, where Mike brings you in the game and on the drilling rig with real life oil well drilling experiences, 3D seismic shooting, geology, engineering, investment terms, strategy, and more. Your host brings over 20 years of experience with hundreds of oil and gas wells and companies including ExxonMobil, Shell, and BP. Degreed in petroleum engineering from Texas A&M and later receiving a professional engineering license, today, Mike is the president of an oil company that explores for oil using its own 3D seismic equipment and then drills oil wells on the prospects that they find on seismic. Mike wrote the book, Investing in Oil and Gas, selling thousands of copies in print, digital, and audiobooks. You'll find it on Amazon. And now, Mike May. Today, I thought we would talk about formation evaluation. Formation evaluation is the means of evaluating the layers of rock that we drill through, the formations, and determining whether or not they contain commercial quantities of hydrocarbons, either oil or gas. So there's five methods of formation evaluation. The first one is mud cuttings. Then there's wireline logging, also called open hole logging. There's formation fluid sampling. There's drill stem testing, also called DST. And finally, there's coring. And there's two kinds of coring. There's sidewall coring and hole cores. And we'll talk about both. So first, mud cuttings. What are mud cuttings? As we're drilling a well with our drill bit, the drill bit crushes and tears the rock in front of it and turns it into many little small pieces of rock that are returned to the surface in the drilling mud. And those small pieces of rock are called cuttings or mud cuttings. And the act of catching them or taking them at the surface is called catching samples. So often a person simply stands at a shale shaker and mud flows over the shale shaker. And as that shale shaker shakes, the mud passes through the holes in what is a screen and the bits of solid rock or mud cuttings that I'm talking about are caught above the screen and slide down at an angle and eventually fall off on the ground or into a hole or some other storage method. But a person will often be staying there catching those samples as they fall off the edge of the shale shaker, literally falling off by gravity. And so catching those samples is called catching mud samples or catching samples. As you're doing this, you know the depth of the drill bit, and so you can assign a depth for each of those cuttings. Typically, you catch the cuttings with your hands or maybe a screen or a strainer and put them into a cloth bag. And the cloth bag leak and let the fluid out, or there's also some that have plastic lining inside them. But in any event, you put those cuttings in roughly handful quantities into small fabric bags. And then you take those bags over to a mud logger's trailer and look at them under a, a microscope and also under a black light and just see primarily just look at them under a black light and see if they fluoresce. Because mud cuttings, i.e. little bits of rock, that contain crude oil within their pores will fluoresce a bright yellow underneath a black light. In addition to looking at the mud cuttings under a black light, another method is to monitor the gas that's coming off of mud cuttings as they're returned to the surface. So when you pass through an oil-rich zone, it will release low-end hydrocarbons such as methane, ethane, propane, butane, 
all the way up to pentane and hexane. And so there's gas detectors that will detect those uh, readings whenever the mud cuttings are brought to surface. So hopefully what you want to see is mud cuttings that have a lot of fluorescence. In other words, they look yellow under a black light. And you also get some heavier alkanes in the gas samples as they're coming back to surface. So you might normally just see methane as you're drilling along. But when you go through an oil zone, you're going to see methane, ethane, propane, butane, pentane, hexane, and so forth. The strength of mud cuttings is that you're actually getting bits of rock out of the ground. So it's very tangible. The weakness of the method is you have to be there, you know, catching all of the samples. So the weakness is actually a human weakness. Seems like sometimes sooner or later, somebody falls down on the job and doesn't uh, catch all the cutting samples when they're supposed to. Obviously, you can do that if you put a lot of attention into it. But sometimes we ask the mud logger who's doing the analysis to also be the person catching the samples. Or if we don't do that, we ask a member of the rig crew to catch samples. And they may do that about 95% right, but the other 5% of the time they miss something. And that might be an important interval that they're missing. So mud cuttings are great because they're tangible. Their weakness are they have to be collected by human beings. And also there's some delay between the time that they're drilled and the time that you catch them on the shale shaker. So you may not know the exact depth that they came from, but you have a reasonable guess. And you also have a relative guess you know where they fell in the sequence. You know, if you catch a bag every five minutes or every minute or every 10 minutes, they're going to be caught and numbered in a sequence, and you'll know which one was first, which one was second, which one was third. So even if you don't know the absolute depth, you do know the relative depth, you know, of one particular sample relative to all the others. The next method of formation evaluation is logging or wireline logging. And this is done after the hole has been drilled and the drill bit and the drill pipe have been pulled out of the hole. At that point, you have just a hole in the ground filled with drilling mud, but there's been no casing. So that's an open hole. And so logging that kind of hole is called open hole logging. In open hole logging, you lower electrical instruments into the hole, electrically powered instruments that measure electrical and physical properties of the rock. And from those properties, you can perform an analysis to determine which of those layers of rock are commercially productive and which of them are not. Of course, most layers of rock are not commercially productive. They contain salt water. A few layers of rock at the surface will contain fresh water, and a few layers downhole within all those saltwater zones will contain oil or natural gas. So in logging, we're, we're lowering these instruments into the hole, and we lower them into the hole by hanging them on a wire line. And wire line is a, a special cable. It looks like normal cable on the outside, but on the inside, it has electrical conductors. So it's basically an electrical wire, but very well armored and very strong. So it looks like a very strong cable on the outside, but you've got perhaps seven electrical conductors on the inside. And the electrical conductors, at least two of them, will provide electric power to these instruments. And the rest provide methods of telemetry. In other words, uh, an ability to send data from the tools that are at the end of the, at the bottom of the wire back up to the surface. As they measure the properties of the rock, they send that data up the hole and it's recorded real time 
as the instruments pass by all of these formations. So what you do in logging is you have a string of instruments, perhaps 100 feet long, and maybe three and a half inches in diameter, plus or minus. And you hang that on the end of the wire, and you lower it all the way to the bottom of the well, and then you pull up, reeling it in, just like reeling in a fish on a on a rod and reel, except this is a maybe a one or 2,000 pound string of instruments on the end of this cable. And those instruments are turned on and they're measuring all the properties of the rock, physical and electrical properties of the rock, as you pull it out of the hole. And those measurements are sent up the wireline real time and recorded on computers at the surface. So logging tools or open hole logging tools or open hole wireline tools, they all mean the same thing. I'll give you a rundown on what they are. There's gamma ray, SP, which stands for spontaneous potential. There's two different kinds of porosity tools. There's resistivity. There's a caliper, which measures the borehole size. And then there's an acoustic or sonic tool. And those tools that I just mentioned are the most common kinds of tools. And that grouping of tools, gamma ray, SP, porosity tools, resistivity, an acoustic is called a quad combo. And if you leave out the acoustic, also called a sonic, then it's called a triple combo. The strengths of open hole logging are that you have continuous coverage from bottom to top. You're not going to miss any interval like you might do with mud cuttings. You measure every six inches, maybe every three inches, depending on how you set up your tools, but usually every three inches all the way out of the hole. So you're not going to miss anything. But the weaknesses, or one of the weaknesses, you're not bringing a tangible rock out of the hole. You have to do everything from an analysis of the properties as recorded by these instruments. Compare that with mud cuttings where you can bring actual rock with oil in it out of the hole. You don't do that with logging. Another strength of logging is, is that you can see beyond the borehole wall. Some instruments can see a few inches beyond the borehole wall, and the resistivity tool can see as far as 10 feet beyond the borehole wall. That means you're able to evaluate the rock that may not have been invaded by mud filtrate. And of course, that's representative of how most of the reservoir is, right? If you have a reservoir that's several thousand feet across, and you drill an 8-inch hole through it, perhaps 3 or 4 inches around the well, the borehole will be invaded by mud filtrate and thus might throw off some of your log readings. Modern logging tools are capable of seeing beyond that and seeing several feet, at least a foot to 10 feet, beyond the borehole wall so they can see the uninvaded zone. The third method of formation evaluation is formation fluid sampling. And this is also done on wireline. It's usually done after the first set of logs are run. There are certain wireline tools that are capable of being inserted on, in the hole, once again hanging on wireline, and they can be placed at a certain depth identified in the first logging run, and they can push a small snorkel up against the wall and take fluid out of the borehole wall from a known depth. So what you can do is identify potential pay zones on your first suite of open hole logs. So you log the entire well, and perhaps you identify two or three zones that are the most promising, or maybe two or three zones that even have a remote possibility of being successful. 
and then you run back in on the second trip with the formation fluid tester and actually extract fluid from the borehole wall at that specific depth and the fluid comes into the tool and is stored in a tank inside the tool and then brought to surface and then you can empty the tank at surface and see what fluid is in it so if you're looking for oil and you identify three potential pay zones say a b and c from the logs you might run back in with a second trip in the hole and take fluid samples liquid samples from those three depths and bring those tanks with those samples in them to surface and then empty them at the surface and look and see what's inside if you have water then you know it was just water if you have a lot of oil then you know you've got an oil zone and sometimes one problem is you'll get just mud filtrate in which case you've just extracted mud filtrate from the immediate region around the borehole wall and so those tests are inconclusive. You don't know if what's beyond the mud filtrate. Perhaps it's water, perhaps it's oil. So in that case, there's two kinds of formation test tools. One is the old kind, which is non-pub through. And then there's the newer kind, the fancier, more expensive kind, which is a pump through formation fluid test tool. And the older, simpler, cheaper, not as fancy kind simply puts a snorkel up against the wall and takes a certain amount of liquid out of the formation, say two gallons or five gallons. The newer tool is capable of placing a snorkel against the wall and just pumping fluid from the borehole wall through the tool and out into the borehole indefinitely, as long as the tool will sit there and function. And we can monitor the fluid as it passes by and it will have certain properties when it's the mud filtrate. And when the mud filtrate has passed, we'll see the properties change, such as density or resistivity. So when we get past the mud filtrate, the density of the resistivity will change. There's sensors inside the tool that will see that. And once we know that we're getting the real reservoir fluid, then we can close a valve and divert that flow into tanks in the tool and then bring that to surface. And then we've got a more conclusive formation evaluation or a more conclusive result. Whatever that fluid is, we know is the fluid that's out beyond the mud filtrate, be it oil or natural formation water. The other nice thing about formation test tools is they're capable of measuring the pressure of the borehole fluid. So in addition to getting a sample of the fluid, you also know what is the borehole pressure. The fourth method of formation evaluation is called drill stem test or DST. And in this operation, a special set of tools are put on the bottom of the drill string. After we've drilled the hole, I should say first that first we drill the hole to total depth, TD, and then pull the drill bit out of the hole, and then put some special tools, drill stem test tools, on the bottom of the drill string, and then run them back in the hole down to a, an interval that we want to test. And we're able to do this without fluid inside the drill string. So we run them in the hole and we set packers, which are part of the drill stem test tools. We set these packers in the borehole wall over the, a particular interval, or if it's close to bottom, we just set one packer above bottom. But either way, there are packers on these drill stem test tools that isolate a particular interval of the wellbore that we want to test for commercial productivity. 
And so we set those packers and then we allow fluid to flow into the borehole wall from that interval that's isolated by the packers and then up the inside of the drill stem, which is the drill pipe. Drill stem and drill pipe means the same thing. So the fluid flows from the borehole wall within the isolated interval into the special tools and then straight up the inside of the drill pipe all the way to surface. And then we have a valve on the top of the drill pipe at the surface and we divert the flow over into a test tank. So once we do that, fluid from the formation comes into the drill pipe. It comes up the drill pipe and turns in the valve at the surface and flows over into a test tank. And so if we're getting water, we know that that formation produces water. And if we're getting oil, we know that formation produces oil. A drill stem test takes some time. So one of the downsides is cost. You're paying by the hour for the drilling rig while you're doing this, but it's an excellent test for the productivity of the well because you're actually producing oil. If it produces oil during a drill stem test, then there's no doubt that this well is capable of producing oil. That's certainly better than having mud cuttings that have oil in them or wireline logs that look good in terms of their physical and electrical properties or even a formation fluid test which is only produced one to five gallons of a particular fluid. A drill stem test has to produce a lot of fluid in order to be seen at the surface. So a drill stem test is probably the most conclusive of them all because the well is actually producing at that point. The final method of formation evaluation, the fifth of five, is coring. And there's two types of coring. One is hole coring and one is sidewall coring. By far the best method of coring is hole coring. And in hole coring what you do is you drill down to just above the zone of interest, the zone that you want to test, and you pull your drill bit out of the hole and you go back in with a special drill bit and a special tube or barrel just above it. This drill bit or coring bit is shaped like a donut. Most drill bits are solid all the way across the bottom and they tear a hole in the ground that is the diameter of the bit. A core bit is different. It's shaped like a donut. So if you can imagine holding a donut in your hand and placing it on a table and turning it in a circle, what you would do is you would tear a hole through the table in the shape of a maybe a capital O, right, in the shape of the donut. But the part of the desk in the middle would not be disturbed. So the same thing is happening down hole. You've got this donut shaped bit and it cuts a hole in the shape of an O or a donut and it lets the rock in the middle of the O or the middle of the donut, it leaves it undisturbed. So as this bit goes down, a cylinder of undisturbed rock goes up inside this. It passes through the hole in the core bit and goes up inside a tube or barrel that's in the tools that are above the bit. And that tube that receives that undisturbed piece of rock is called a core barrel. And they typically come in 20-foot lengths or 30-foot lengths. And you can connect them one on top of the other in order to drill as much core as you want to drill. Core barrels typically come in lengths of 20 feet or 30 feet. And then you link them together just like any other pipe. So you might have 20, 20, 20, you know, would be 60 feet total or Barrels of 30 feet would be 30 feet, 60 feet, 90 feet. 
So you can link them together into as much as you need. But typically cores are taken in lengths of about 20 to 60 feet. There are world records, you know, there are several hundred feet. Anyone in the core business is going to tell you about those. But the common size is in the 20 to 60 foot range, maybe 90 foot. At some point, uh, the core will jam as it gets up into the tube, and you may be limited in your ability to, to continue drilling. But a core is an excellent form of formation evaluation because once you get to the end of it, you break it, and you come out of the hole with 20, 30, 60, 90 feet of undisturbed formation, a four-inch diameter by 60 or 90 foot long cylinder of rock is not unusual. And so now you've got a real cylinder of rock that came from your well, starting above your zone of interest, hopefully all the way through your zone of interest and below it. When you bring a core to surface, there's two ways to evaluate it. You can do some evaluations on surface immediately. You can actually slice it in half like you would with a, you can imagine taking a giant piece of salami and slicing it in half long ways, it's possible to do that with a core. And then you can also send the cores in to a laboratory and have much more detailed analysis done. The only problem with that is it takes much longer. So if you're trying to make a decision on whether or not to set pipe, or perhaps you're wanting to drill a horizontal well, and you want to know exactly where your target is, you need to make those evaluations in the field. And it is possible to make them in the field. If you bring your core to surface and you perform a field evaluation, you can slice it in half lengthwise and open it into two pieces. And then you can shine a black light all up and down that core. And if any part of it is saturated with oil, you are definitely going to see it. So that is an excellent method of formation evaluation. The downside is cost and time. It's much slower drilling and you have to trip out of the hole to put those tools on and go back in the hole. So you've got the additional cost of your coring service company, and you've got additional rig time. I forgot to mention there was one other kind of coring called sidewall coring, and this is done on wireline. So the same people that do your open hole logging and your formation fluid testing, they can do sidewall cores in some areas if the rock is soft, such as a high porosity sandstone. But it doesn't work in harder rocks such as limestones and dolomites. But what is it? Sidewall coring is where you've got these little cups made out of very strong metal. And by small cups, I mean the size of a whiskey glass or smaller, but made out of very strong metal. And they're placed on a tool and they're directed toward the side of the well. So you'll have this one tool with perhaps 25 or 30 of these metal cups on the side of it. And then a propellant is used to fire those cups straight out into the formation. In other words, if the well is vertical, the cups were fired horizontally from the tool out toward the borehole wall. And that cup is pushed with such force that it catches a little bit of the formation inside of it. And by a little bit, I mean perhaps a, a volume of rock about the size of your little finger. And then there's cables attached to that cup so that you can pull the cup back out of the formation. Because otherwise it would be lodged in the formation. But you can pull it out and then you can keep shooting up to 25 or 30. You can actually shoot as many as 60 per run in the hole if you attach two guns on top of each other. And when you come out of the hole, you can extract all of these bits of rock. Once again, each one about the size of your little finger. Put them in a jar 
and evaluate them. And there are trucks that evaluate core samples in the field. Most of the time they're taken to a nearby lab. The first step is a sniffer. So a sniffer is poked through the lid of the jar and inhales, if you will. It sniffs it and sees if there's any methane, ethane, propane, gas that is inside the jar because the core has been sitting there for an hour or two. And then the next step is to take the core out and look at it under a black light. So if you've got oil, it's going to show. That's the main thing. And then there's some porosity tests you can do and so forth. But sidewall cars are not a good way to measure porosity because when you push them out into the formation at such high speeds, they tend to break up the rock. And so your, your porosity is not reliable. But it's a great way to evaluate the fluid content of the rock. In other words, is it water or is it oil? Water will not fluoresce under a black light. Oil will fluoresce under a black light. And sometimes that's all you want to know. But with those five things, certainly you can evaluate any well. So once again, there's mud cuttings, wireline logging or open hole logging, formation fluid sampling, drill stem testing, DST, and coring, both hole coring and percussion sidewall coring. Well, thank you for being here again. I very much appreciate you listening to this podcast. Our website is investinginoilandgas.com. There's a place to sign up for our email list. If you want to be contacted about drilling opportunities, you'll probably want to be on that email list. Once again, I appreciate you being here, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you. Visit us at investinginoilandgas.com and join our email list.